So I have a question for you. Do you trust me? No. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. First service said yes. Second service says no. Wow. Okay, we'll go to first service then. Okay, that's true. <laughs> that's a tough question though, right? I'm glad you were honest. Thank you, you know. <laughs> so one of, my, uh, uh, fa- one of my favorite movies growing up was Aladdin. Uh, and this is probably one of my favorite lines in that movie. Do you trust me? All right, Aladdin says it to Jasmine twice. I, both times he's asking her to jump off a ledge with him, okay? I don't know what that's about, but that's essentially what it is. He holds his hand as the prison guard ca- are trying to capture him, and he says, do you trust me? And she jumps off a ledge with him. Uh, the second time is when he's going on the magic carpet ride, do you trust me? And she does. And trust, I think, is a big question we have, right? Sometimes uh, it's hard for us to trust people. Sometimes it's hard when we don't know the person, right? Actually, it's really easy not to trust them, right? If I don't know you, I'm probably not going to trust you. Sometimes it's hard to trust people you've known for a long time in your life, right, Gavin? Probably longer than you've been alive. Or, well, not longer than you've been alive. I shouldn't say that. More than double, yeah, yeah. And you still don't trust me. We'll have to talk about that later, so... But trust is, is, is difficult, and sometimes I think it's difficult because there are so many people in our lives that have broken trust. I remember in high school uh, having a, an issue within our family that I wasn't really supposed to tell anybody, and I really was bothering me, and so I was sitting there in front of my locker, and a girl that I had known all my life comes up and says, hey, what's wrong? And so I tell her because I trusted her. And do you know what happened by the end of the school day? Everyone knew. You know who got in trouble when, when I found, my parents found out I had told people? Yeah. So sometimes we feel like we can trust people, and it turns out that we can't. And we have experiences like that, and so we tend to just go into this place where we don't trust anyone. But trust is something that is important in our life, and I think that when life gets rough, when, when times get tough, there are things that we fall back on. There are things that we trust in. And so I wonder if we want to ask that question, what do we trust in the most when life is difficult? Uh, we, uh, we do trust in things, right? All right? Every day of our lives, we walk around trusting that things are going to happen the way they're supposed to. Uh, you get into an elevator, and you trust that it's going to go to the top. And you trust that the engineers knew how to make it and that they built it correctly, right? Every single time you get on there, whether you know it or not. All right, when you get in your car, you trust that everything is going to work properly. All right, we have a lot of things we trust in, but what is it when life is hard that we trust everything into? We put all of our chips to. Uh, Jesus, I think, talks about this uh, in his Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We're in this series that we've called Upside Down Kingdom, looking at the Sermon on the Mount through Matthew 5 through 7. Uh, today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up and follow along as we, we talk about this. All right, but uh, in this section, uh, you know, Jesus is going to be uh, changing topics from what he's been discussing. And so he's going to be talking about this idea 
of trust and where we place our trust. So let's read Matthew chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 19 through 21. This is what it says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus is changing this subject for his audience and he's starting to talk about treasure. And, and I think we have to understand a couple of different things. First off, uh, Jesus tells us how this treasure can be lost. All right, it can be lost by moths, by uh, vermin, all right, mice, rats, worms, that type of stuff, uh, and by thieves. All right, and so that kind of leaves us with this question of what type of treasure is he talking about, right? Because when we think of treasure, what do we think of? Gold, yeah. Right? We, think of, we think of a pirate chest, right? And when we open up the pirate chest, inside is gold and silver and jewels and all kinds of pretty things, right? All right that's what we think of when we think of treasure, money. What's the value of it? All right, but for them and their life and their time period, wealth, treasure, uh, was determined by a couple of different things. One of the things that was determined by was clothing. Now, if I go to your house and I walked into your closet, how many sets of clothes would you have? Probably a lot, right? I, if you walked into my closet, you would see a bunch of clothes as well. Some that I don't fit into anymore, some that I wish I would fit into, but I don't still. All right, and then stuff that maybe even is a little too big for me. All right, and so I have a lot of stuff. You walk into my wife's closet, there's more. All right, it's just is how it is, right, babe? Yeah, yeah, she admits it. All right, I actually have some clothes in her closet too, so. <laughs> but she has a dress in mine, so. Anyway, uh, so, so we have an abundance of clothing, all right? We have almost more clothes than what we even wear, all right? But in their time period, they maybe had one, maybe two, maybe three at the most on cl of cl different sets of clothes. And so they would go day to day wearing the same stuff. All right, and so if you had enough money to afford more clothes than that, then you were wealthy. All right, you, you, could, be, you could sell your clothes to provide for yourself. All right, and so these people that are putting their treasure on earth in the form of clothing is kind of what Jesus is talking about. So there's a, a problem with this. Uh, and with something we don't really face as much today, all right, we go into our closet and we trust that, that it's going to be good when we pull it out, right? But there was a time where that wasn't always the case. And, and maybe you went to your grandmother. I, my grandmother had them, okay? You went into her closet and then it smelled. You know what it smelled like? Ah, mothballs. All right, these were these things that they put in there, in their coats even, and like it was to keep moth out of the closet. Or if they didn't use mothballs, they had a special closet that was made out of cedar. Hey, we're all good, right? All right now, my closet isn't made out of cedar. I don't have mothballs, and I, I'm not afraid that moths are going to ruin my clothes. But that was a problem. And even in Jesus' day, that is a problem. All right? They don't have closets, so they're going to have to store it in some kind of uh, tote or something, okay, some kind of uh, chest, and there's a very likelihood of moths getting in and chewing through the clothes. I know holes in clothes are cool at times, all right, but in their day that it wasn't useful. 
And so if you had holes in your clothes, they were, they were ruined. All right? And so if you're, you wanted to keep that from happening. All right? And so Jesus here, he gives us an example of one of the ways you can, if you put your trust in wealth, all right, is that it can get eaten by moths. All right? So that was one way that they determined wealth was your clothes. All right? That's going to be important later on. Store that in the back of your mind. There'll be a pop quiz, I promise. Okay? All right. The second way that they determined wealth was by how much food you had, and in particular, how much grain and how much livestock. All right, and we see this throughout the Bible. We see it throughout that time period. Uh, the more livestock you had, the more grains, the more barns you had, the wealthier you were, because for most people, they were working day to day to get enough money to buy food for the next day. All right, they didn't get a paycheck at the end of the week. They got it at the end of the day, and they would take that money, and they buy food so that they could feed their families. So for most people, they didn't have excess food. They didn't have pantries full of canned goods that were good for to forever. They, they were eating from day to day, living literally paycheck to paycheck. And so for them, if you had lots of extra food, you were a wealthy person. And for a lot of these people that had this extra food, they would build these barns in order to store the grain for a later use. But the problem with barns is there are vermin that get into it, right? Rice, rats and mice and, and worms, and they would eat at the grain and disease would get into the grain to the point that the grain would no longer be useful. All right, and so uh, again, Jesus is showing us that wealth, like clothing and like food, if we determine our value and put our trust into these things, they are very fleeting. All right, they're here one day, and they're easily destroyed the next. Uh, the third way that they did wealth is kind of the way we do it, is how much money do you have? All right, and, and they didn't have banks back then, so it wasn't like you could go to your bank account and say, this is how much money I have. No, it's what was on them. All right, some of us today would be very poor if we were based on what was in our back pocket, right? Right, some of us maybe are rich because we still we still use cash, right? Right, whatever you had on you, that's what you had, and so if you had only your coins or your money, right, and you had no bank to put it, you would hide it in your houses. Now, there's only so many places in your house that you could hide it, right? Right, honestly, we all probably think of the same places, and so thieves would come into these houses and they would search in these typical places that the money would be left at, and they would take and steal it. So when we're talking about this idea of trust, Jesus is saying, when you trust in the treasures of earth, what you end up with is a thing that, that is very unreliable, where it can be destroyed, where it can be stolen, where it no longer has value to you. All right, and so we have these this area of trust that we have to ask ourselves in. When life gets tough, do we trust on treasure, whatever that treasure looks like? And opposite to that, Jesus says instead that we should be storing up treasure in heaven. This is a very Jewish concept of that day. All right, when they use that term treasures in heaven, what they're talking about is uh, doing good works. All right, and in particular, giving to the poor. And the needy. 
All right, so we have this uh, idea of, of, of doing good things that God has called us to do, and the Jews would say that essentially by doing that, by storing up treasures in heaven, you would live off the interests, all right, and then on judgment day receive the capital. And so the way we would say it is this way, is that if you are doing good things, if you're storing up treasures in heaven, you are going to be blessed now, and then God is going to bless you greatly at the judgment day. All right, so that's kind of the concept that Jesus is talking about. That's the concept uh, of storing up treasures in heaven. And Jesus says that these two are on opposites of each other. You can't really do both. All right, you can't hoard your wealth and then expect to have treasures in heaven as well. All right, they, they are in oppositions of each other. This is why uh, we've entitled this series Upside Down Kingdom, because the kingdom of heaven is so much more different in thinking and in the way they live than everywhere else on earth. Jesus says, don't store it in earth, but store it in heaven. And then he says this very famous line I think a lot of us know, where your treasure is, there your heart is. And, and really what Jesus is getting at is, is the moral character of who you are. All right, the heart is more than just an organ. It, it's a if place where your passion and your desires are. And if you find yourselves desiring after the treasures of earth rather than the treasures of heaven, then you will find yourselves seeking more and more of these things rather than those things. And if you desire to, to seek after the treasures of heaven, you're going to be in that way as well. You're going to be seeking after those things rather than the treasures of earth. So where your heart is, where your desire is, where your passion is, that's where your treasure is going to be at. Right? That's what you're going to be seeking after. And Jesus says that, that this, is, this is where God judges us, our hearts. It's about your character. It's about who you are on the inside. And Jesus, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, has been talking about your inside reflecting what's on your outside and vice versa. All right, so the question is, who do we trust? When life gets hard, do we trust in the things of earth or the things of heaven? And that's a tough question, I think. Jesus says this uh, to kind of an analogy to explain it in verse 22. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And he kind of relates this this moral obligation of our hearts and and how it relates to what we uh, seek after in our lives to our eyes and what it does to our bodies. Our, our eyes provide guidance, all right? When, when you have eye problems, it causes a lot of other issues in your body, all right? If you can't see both far and away, you tend to get headaches and you tend to be nauseous at times, all right? And we have modern technology that as long as your eyes have good muscles in it, they can probably help you see in some way, shape, or form, all right? It, it's just where we're at. But in Jesus' time, they didn't have that. They didn't have glasses to fix problem visions, all right, and, and vision problems, all right, so we, so in Jesus' time, if they had bad sight, it caused other issues, and they had to deal with it, 
And so this would have been a very common thing for them to understand. Hey, that person can't see very well, and it's causing issues. Now, Jesus talks about healthy and unhealthy eyes, and really a better term for it would be good and evil. It's how they kind of use the words. And so he's talking about your good eyes being able to see well. Seeing well is important, and seeing clearly is important. I mean, we all recognize this, right? Uh, The other day, I was tucking in my son, and I turned off his light, which was a very bad idea, because two steps into his room, I stepped on a Lego, (laughs) because I couldn't see. So I turned on my flashlight, and there was Legos everywhere. And so I'm glad I turned on my flashlight so I could navigate his floor. All right, seeing well is important. All right, and so Jesus, he relates this idea of how our body works to our moral compass, if you will. All right, if you have good eyes and you're seeking after the ways of God and the treasures of heaven, then you're going to have light in your life. However, if you have evil eyes, if you have bad eyes, all right, Jesus kind of already talked about this earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. If you have bad eyes and you're not seeking out the morally good thing to do and you're seeking after instead the treasures of earth, then there will be darkness. And how great is that darkness? Which do you trust more? The good eye seeking after the treasures of heaven or the bad eye? Jesus concludes this section by saying this, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to this one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Again, this this upside-down kingdom understanding that there is a different way to live than the way of the world. He uses two very strong words here. He says serve, which is really slave. All right. You cannot be a slave to two lords. The other strong word there. A slave is someone who depends entirely on their master for everything, their way of thinking, their sustenance, everything that they need to survive. And Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. If you're going to be slaves to two masters, eventually those two masters are going to give you orders that are going to be in opposition to each other. And when that happens, you have to decide who are you going to trust more. Who do you love more? Who are you devoted towards more? When we try to serve two masters, we miss the point. So what are you going to serve? This is the the, the question. The the idea here of money is really the idea of mammon, which is an older term. Uh, It's basically more than just treasure, but actually placing your trust into it. All right, putting our hopes that we're going to be able to survive on what we have rather than trusting in God. Whom are you going to serve? Whom are you going to trust? And a lot of times when we sit in church, we're like, yeah, I trust God, but do you really? I mean, when it really gets to it, is that really what you turn to? And maybe it is. Great. Maybe it's not. Who do we trust? 
Jesus from here kind of goes into the problem that leads up to why we tend to trust in treasure rather than trusting in God. All right, here's what he says. Uh, He says, therefore, I tell you in verse 25, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink or your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and is the body not more than clothes? All right, so Jesus, uh, he's connecting it, okay, back to what he's just talked about. Remember, treasure for the Jews at this point in time in life was money and it was Pop quiz here, ready? Clothes and food, right? Yeah, good. Some people are paying attention. Perfect. All right, all right. Food and money, okay? Clothes, right? All right, and what does Jesus say here? Do not worry about those things. You got to remember, and their entire society was built on this, working day to day to make sure that they had enough to eat and had enough to wear. And that's what they consisted on. That's what their world turned around. And so, yes, worrying about these things was natural for them. Man, I'm sick today. I can't work. How am I going to feed my family tomorrow? That, that's worrisome. Right? And, and this is the things that they would consume their lives with, worrying about how they were going to make it. And Jesus says, stop it. Now, maybe you don't worry about clothes and maybe you don't worry about food. Maybe there's other things in your life that you worry about. Maybe it's your kids and and how they're going to grow up and what they're going to be. And it just consumes your life worrying about how they're turning out. Maybe for you, it's yourself, right? You're worried about your parenting abilities. Now, I have that. Am I being a good father? Am I doing enough to show them Christ? Maybe maybe what you are constantly worrying about is, is your parenting abilities. Maybe what you're worrying about is your financial obligations and the debts that you have and trying to make sure that you have enough money to cover it all. Maybe, maybe for you, it isn't any of those things. Maybe it's the state of society, and you're worried about the future of our country. So here's the thing is when we worry about those things, what ends up happening is we become so focused on them that we turn our eyes away from God and towards them. How can I fix this? What am I going to do? And we begin to be so consumed with our problems that we have forgotten that we have a God who loves us. All right, and Jesus says, stop it. You, you don't need to be worrying about these things. Yes, they consume our lives. Yes, there are things that, that really, you know, we should have some concern about, but it shouldn't be so consuming that, that we just have anxiety over them. All right, they shouldn't be something that we dwell upon day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute, because there's other things that we should be concerned about instead. Jesus says, stop it. And he gives us a couple examples of why we should stop. Uh, verse 26, he says this. He says, look at the birds of the air. Do they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? And he uses his argument from the lesser to the greater. He says, look at the birds. Okay, which is more important, the birds or you? Easy answer, right? What is it? 
us. You are more important than birds. And if God feeds birds who don't sow or reap or store barns or anything like that, then God is going to take care of you. So one of the reasons why we need to stop worrying about all these things that, that are consuming us, that are taking our eyes away from what God has us to do for him, is, is to look at the birds and recognize that God takes care of them. And the things that we worry about, God, God makes sure that it happens for them. And if God's going to make sure it happens for the birds, he's going to make sure it happens for us. Verse 27, he says this, it says, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I mean, I mean, ultimately, what does worry even do? Does it solve anything? Does it, does it add to your life? I mean, how awesome would it be if, if we could add hours to our lives just by worrying, right? We, we'd be living forever. It'd be easy. But reality is, the more we worry, the more our life becomes shorter. Worrying does not solve the problem. And so when we become consumed over these things that we worry about over and over and over again, we forget that God is in control of us. God wants to take care of us. Now Jesus isn't saying we shouldn't work. Jesus isn't saying you shouldn't go and, and make money to, to pay, provide for your family. That's not what he's saying, but he's saying you shouldn't worry. We get back to this idea of trust. Do we trust God? I mean, God is sitting there with his hands stretched out to us and says, do you trust me? And the question is, is do we truly trust him? Because if we do, then we wouldn't be worrying about this stuff. Jesus gives us more examples in verse 28. He says, why uh, do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? Uh, they do not labor or spin, yet I tell you not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, will he not uh, that much more clothe you, you of little faith? This is one of my favorite times of the years, right? The spring rains are coming and April showers bring flowers are beautiful, right? I, I said this wrong and I got corrected by a couple of farmers. When you drive out and you look into the fields, you find this weed. What's the weed called, Matt? Hinbit. Thank you. I said clover last. Uh, same thing. They're both purple. Anyway. Anyway, but you go out there, and, and this week I was driving out to Benton City, and as far as the eye could see, there's just a sea of purple. And this is a weed, right? Farmers don't like it in their fields. They, they want to get rid of it so that they can actually grow real things, right? right? And God has made it beautiful. And we look around at our world, and there's so much color, right? So many plants that have different shades, and it's beautiful. And it happens all because God cares for his creation. Right? He cares for the flower. And he dresses it beautifully. And yet if God will dress that beautifully, what will he do for us? Again, which is more important? The flowers or us? We are. Every time. All right? And Jesus says, don't worry about clothes. Again, wealth, money, 
Don't be seeking after the treasures of earth because the treasures of heaven are worth it more. He gets back to uh, his argument here in verses 31 and 32. He says, do not worry. Again, that stop it, stop it. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need it. All right, here he says again, do not worry about these things, these things that consume our lives, whether it's our kids or our finances or, 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 or whatever it is that we are so consumed over. He says, don't do those things. Don't worry about them. And the reason why we're not to worry about them is because that's how everybody else acts. Now, the idea here of running after that he uses about the pagans, it's, it's the idea of seeking first. Right, it's this difference between the kingdom of, of earth and the kingdoms of heaven. Right, which is what we're needing to seek after. When we seek after everything that everybody else is wanting us to have, we miss what God is wanting us to do. Jesus says instead in verse 33, he says, seek after, all right, the same word there, seek after first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Which do you place your trust in? The kingdoms of earth who seek after wealth, who seek after uh, being a, I mean, whatever it is that they're seeking after, that we worry our lives with? Or do we need to focus instead on God's kingdom? We need to stop worrying about society and instead worry about God's kingdom. This idea of righteousness, it's used differently in Paul's letters, and a lot of times we get our understanding of righteousness from Paul. All right, Paul uses it basically for salvation. But everywhere else in the New Testament, righteousness is basically the full will of God. And so what Matthew says when he's talking about righteousness here, he's talking about fulfilling God's will for you in your life. And what Matthew, what Jesus is saying here is this. You need to first seek after God's kingdom and God's will in your life. And if you will seek after this, if you will take God's hand and say, yes, God, I trust you. And if you go after what he is calling you to do, no matter how crazy it sounds, no matter how different it is from the rest of the world, God is going to take care of these things that we're worrying our lives over and away with. God will take care of it. I mean, God is bigger than our problems. All right, God is, knows how to handle our kids better than we do. All right, God knows how to handle our financial obligations better than we do. God understands society better than we do. And if we will instead focus and stop worrying about these things and do God's will in our lives, he's going to take care of that. So who do we trust in our lives? Whom are we going to seek after first? Are we going to continue to seek after the treasures of earth and what everybody else says that we need to have to make our lives fulfilled? Or are we instead going to seek after God's kingdom and his righteousness in our lives? Jesus concludes this section by saying this. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Again, the stop it. Stop worrying about this and seek after his kingdom. And by seeking after his righteousness in our lives, it 
doesn't mean that all these problems that we're worrying about are magically going to disappear. They're still going to be there. But what changes in us is rather than worrying, we're trusting that God has it under control. That God is big enough to take care of it. And if we can trust God in that aspect of our lives, man, we're going to be in such a good place. Seek after His will in your life. Not after the treasures and the wealth and everything else that you desire. But seek after what He wants. And you will be blessed. Will you pray with me?